Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length, except for this episode, which is going to be real short. I'm your host, Kareen, joined as ever by Kim. Hello. And Ari. Hello. And we are here today to talk about Season 3, Episode 4, And the Children Shall Lead, or as I like to call it, Children Are Fucking Psychopaths. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I would just like to point out that the end of this episode, that ends on a high note, is children weeping hysterically at the, amazing news. at the deaths of their parents and all of the adults on the bridge grinning like loons saying, isn't this great? Bones is like, oh, did you get them to cry? Swell! <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Hilarious. To the, the, the tears of tiny wibbling children. I mean, to be fair, those tiny wibbling children did murder their parents. Well... No, no, yes. not exactly. Yes, no. they did. Yes, no. yes, yes. The, the, yes. the demon did. Uh, no, it was their fault. No, I think they were sort of side. The casualties. parents were driven into massive anxiety attacks by, by the, the monster ca- by the cave of angst. It was a good angst cave, like a bat cave, if you will. Yeah. Caves are place. Oh wait, there's some kind of Joseph Campbell nonsense that I feel yeah. like ties into this nicely. Yeah, the cave of angst where the demon lives. But it's the children who actually are like, oh, we want power and we don't want to go to sleep when someone tells us, so we'll just let them murder each other. I don't know what they could have actually done. As they say in Dare, just say no. Did they try saying no? Children are psychopaths. Children are psychopaths. If we've learned anything from Star Trek, from Charlie X all the way here... Is that children are psychopaths. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do paint children as kind of the worst in uh, original series. I don't know whether that has to do with... I mean, it is a naval story. Traditionally, children are not present in those kind of stories, except as you know, inconveniences or hostages. Out of place. And that a, a child having a child means that you're, you're out of the service. Because that means that you're no longer loyal to the ship. So children are instruments of career ending and corruption. Hmm. I think I like the way it's handled later on in series where you just bring your kids with you and they're part of life. Yeah. It does make things a little less grim from the beginning. Well, I don't remember any other any other Star Trek having uh, children straight up murder their parents and then not feel bad about it at all. No. Like, this is- at all. This is a funny time for television and movies, though. Like, Kids in movies were usually murderers or possessed. It was very like Children of the Corn. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what anxiety... I mean, I guess the anxiety of every parent has is that your child could turn out to be a psychopath and murder you in your bed. Well, wasn't this the 60s where yeah. the children, like, it was a whole flower children and, like, the youth rebellions and... But these the, are the, children. The like, disconnect yeah. between the parents' generation from the post-war and the, this new generation who are, like... Freedom. And well, we're going to see that in control. the hippie episode. Well, I'm thinking, but of those like, are teenagers. I'm They're thinking not of like, children. I'm thinking of like The Exorcist. When did The Exorcist come out? Mm-hmm. The 70s. I don't know. Google it. Yeah, I've never seen The Exorcist. Neither it's have I. the, the no. kids like 12, 13 years old. All I know, or maybe I know the theme song, or maybe I'm thinking that it's the theme song to The Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And that she barfs pea soup. 1973. Okay. Well. Yeah. So my point stands. <laughs> You're all wrong. <laughs> I, yeah. This weird anxiety about children and children, child murderers. But I mean, we've always kind of been incest, like Lizzie Borden, right? Yeah. I think that's why the fascination lies that someone very, very young could do something very, very horrible. I love that rhyme. 
Lizzie Borden with her axe. Liz, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. And when, when the job was rightly done, she gave her father 41. Except technically it was her stepmother. Whatever. Yeah. Sorry. I, it's a case of interest. Yeah. Stepmother doesn't rhyme as well, Kareem. Where's yeah. your political license? It's true. It doesn't sound um, unacceptable. I was interested at the end of this episode, the sort of justice system that's going to be met with these children <laughs> when they get back no. to the starbase. The idea is that they entered at the end end and tried to make some kind of lesson about sort of like the idea of people who are taken advantage of in um I, I don't know I think I was thinking of um more of like the political systems where you've got a leader who's telling you something over and over and over again and when you finally realize the consequences of what you're what's actually going on it's it was culty. Oh yeah, say, it was are for you sure thinking cult. of the word cult? The cult. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when it showed up, I'm like, oh well, they're doing chanting, so it's a cult. Yeah. I get that. And okay, Kim, to speak to your point, it is post World War II. So how do innocent people, regular citizens, get convinced to do very very terrible things? Well, there's a demagogue who's actually maybe made of metal. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Some metal. When Kirk's like, take a good look at him. Of course, that's what he is. I was like, wait, what? I want to get to he's that turning in into a barnacle. Yeah. Okay. But there was there was the there was an occult element to this, and that he had promised these children many friends, many friends, and they wouldn't have to listen and go to bed, and they could have what they wanted, and it was just. Very, culty it was very very culty culty. you know for sure that all those children were extroverts because the idea of someone telling me i could have a million friends i'd be like no thanks (laughs) (laughs) that seems like a lot of effort yeah the promises you are making do not satisfy me (laughs) but yeah i okay with okay okay so kind of like a manson situation yeah. With less racism? I mean, it was very much like a rainbow of children. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a beautiful rainbow of children. Oh, my God, those children were cute. They were oh, very they were cute. adorable. So the guy who plays, I don't even know what to call him. Tall Red? No, not one? Tall Red. The actual, like, floating space alien. The ghost. He was like a jellyfish. Yeah, oh, he, I think he's called Gorgon or something yeah. like that. Yeah, you never actually... He was we called, have no idea why. He was Kirk. chanted for as the angel. The friendly angel. Yeah, that's not a name And then Kirk just calls him Gor- Gorgon? Yes, there was a cutscene. Yeah, there's a cut. There's obviously a cutscene. It's like, who now? <laughs> what now? But anyways, that guy was actually not an actor. I don't know if you could tell or not, because it's Star Trek and the line is blurry. But he was... <laughs> as is the character. He was a famous attorney. What? Really? who defended the man who shot Lee Harvey Oswald and was a lawyer for McJagger. Wow. And so they thought by bringing him on, it would do a little bit of a ratings boost. And everyone agreed that he was a really nice guy, but not an actor. (laughs) No. (laughs) And, like, having him as your main baddie, like, wouldn't you want some guy who could act? That... It's a very stunt casty thing to do. And such a bizarre stunt cast to do as yeah. well. Like, we're gonna get this famous attorney. Have we like, like did they have like celebrity lawyer culture in the late sixties? Yes. Yes. Was this like sure. the guy who defended OJ? It must have it would have been like yes. casting like Marsha Clark in Next Generation. <laughs> or Voyager. And also uh the lawyer who defended Charles Manson and the Manson family, he was very famous. He wrote a couple of books out of it. Oh I'm sure. Like if you're a defense lawyer in a really but you big trial. Think of that sort of blurring over into like 
Television? It's, it's a weird kind choice. Of random. I feel like it maybe had to do with a brand new producer, Fred What's His Face, mm. who Tits and I, Space Guy, Tits and Space Guy, and I don't want to cast shade on him. I feel like he might. There were no tits right with you space in this episode. That's because they were children. <laughs> I know. If there had been tits in space, that would have been a very different episode. But. It is it is a bizarre stunt. Like, can't wait to see my favorite lawyer on a sci-fi show. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess we saw... Oh, Madeline... No, not Madeline Albright. Yeah, it was. In Legally Blonde? Oh, yeah. 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 That's different, though. Is it? I think... I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. TV Today does all sorts of weird-ass stunt casting. Like, But I there's mean, so much more... Gilmore Girls spoilers, but, like, all the celebrity chefs that they had on. Yeah, but there's so much more mixing between, like, genres of broadcasting now than there was then. That's fair. I mean, there wasn't reality television in the same way that we have reality There wasn't television. the internet. There no. wasn't social media. But it is weird. But it would have... I don't think it would have been super uncommon to have, like, a Broadway star or... Oh, yeah, for sure. Or those are performers. Or somebody those are doing, actors. Yeah, but it's just a different kind of crossover, so it's been going on for ages and ages. I think ages. it's a hell of a reach, Because honestly. you might have never... Well, I don't know. You might have never seen that guy on TV before. But you would have seen him in the newspaper. Yeah, but... And you would have probably heard him on the radio. wait to see him in Star Trek. Eh, whatever. Does everyone have a favorite lawyer here? I can't think of one off the top of my head. I know TV lawyers were I played by actors. I can think of actual ones. It's not really the same thing. But single female lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. This... That's, that's yeah. an interesting fact, though. I did that not is my fact of the episode. So random. It is a... It's bizarre. This whole episode is bizarre. Um, when I texted Ari because we went to go see Doctor Strange last night, Kim and I. Oh, yes, we did. Yes, we did. Which somehow falls into this episode at some point where oh, I was God. like, this is like Doctor Strange. <laughs> um, but anyways, Ari had watched the episode without me and so I texted her. I'm like, oh, w- what is it about? And she texted back, I have no idea. <laughs> I was like, oh, did you watch it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, because I okay I have a question yes, about Kim. again about the title. Yes. Um. So the, the title is "And the Children Shall Lead." Is that a reference to something? It's a because biblical quotation. In this, the children were not leading shit; they were following like sheep. But they didn't think they were. Yeah, it's a it's a Bible quotation. I think. Can you like, give me the full quote? And it, like, this episode was supposed to be a lot yeah. more Bible-y. So yeah. the name of the bad saucer villain is Gorgon, which is another biblical reference. It was supposed to be some pretty heavy-handed symbolism that obviously floated all over our heads. Yeah, the angel stuff was weird. Yeah, he was like a friendly angel, but maybe like in the same way that Satan was an angel. Yeah, I was going to say, what did Gorgon do? Because all I associate that with is like the Gorgons of Greek mythology. And that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, Full quote. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. And it's supposed to be, I think it's from like... Jesus. The little child is Jesus. Yes. Yes, it is. Danger will lie down with innocence. Yeah, is yeah. that when Jesus shows up, everything's going to be cool, guys. Yeah. Just wait for a while. The dog yeah. is snoring and it's adorable. No, she's, no moaning. she's moaning. Oh! She's angry at us because we're not paying attention to her. <laughs> so, this episode starts out super cheerful, almost as cheerful as it ends. Oh my god, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> opening! It's bookended with a mass suicide... And children weeping uncontrollably. Yeah, it's awesome. It's super cheerful. And is yet somehow really upbeat. It is weirdly upbeat. 
Like, There's no, like, em- and I guess it's because the, the reaction of the children who are, like, scampering over the graves of their parents. Yeah, but you're like, be surely down. there should be an emotional beat some here for someone? Nope. No. Not even when the crew is, like, walking around going, oh, this is bad. Not even it- when they find the one living survivor. Where was the Brian Jonestown massacre? Mm. Sorry, that's the band. <laughs> <laughs> The Jonestown? Just Which Jonestown. is a great band, by the way. <laughs> Their Tepid Peppermint Wonderland is a fantastic <laughs> album. <laughs> However, I am not referring to that. <laughs> I am referring to the historical event that was not about Brian. Jonestown? Jonestown. <laughs> e. Yes. I, like, when was the Jonestown massacre? Because I feel like maybe with the culty stuff, and I get, like, throwing in a little bit of that hippie mm-hmm. madness. 1978. Oh, my. my God, were there no cults to be had oh. in the late 60s? Well, because the thing is, they beam down, or, like, Kirk, Spock, McCoy beam yeah. down, and then my note just says, bodies strewn everywhere. That's kind. Mine is jumpsuits. <laughs> because. There were a lot of jumpsuits. Were, everybody was wearing their own monochromatic jumpsuit. Everybody was a different color. Yeah, it was a rainbow of death. It oh, was. wait, look up when the Manson family murders. Is that 1969? This is, is the last cult murder I am looking up. Okay. <laughs> wait, how can we have a limit on cult murders? Because we're only like four, four seconds into the actual episode. Yeah. That's, yes. that, that's because nothing happens um, in the episode. We're fine. We have plenty I, of time I'm to talk sure about cult murders. I'm pretty sure the Manson's were the 60s because... They were the 60s because it was the end of... 1969. Yeah. Yes! Okay, because I was listening to... If you, want to, if you want cool info on the, the Manson family... You must remember that, this. Uh, you must remember this. Yes. Yeah, we listened to the same podcast. Yes, um, and that was great. That was so intense. And so informative. I know. I didn't know half that shit. Well, to be perfectly honest, I did not care to know. <laughs> and I do not care for him at all. I don't... I'm not... Charles in, Manson? Not no, I do not care for him. <laughs> I will put it out on record. I do not care for Charlie Manson. But I, I really don't like reading about serial killers i don't like reading about real murders so it does not interest me but it did it in such a way of like well, not a, not psychopath murders well not serial killers no not, i'm not interested in actual people who kill people i don't find that interesting i find it a point except for that lady in halifax who poisoned four husbands yeah well <laughs> life goals <laughs> surely kim that would be death goals both <laughs> <laughs> so but still, that doesn't work with my theory of mass suicide. So, dang it, even though the dates mash up, that does not have anything to do with it. I think millennial cults? Can we go with millennial cults? It's too early for millennial cults. Oh. I think trying to assign an allegory to this is a little ambitious, considering how terrible and incoherent the episode is. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Okay, this. well, you think about that. So, uh, bodies everywhere. Bodies as far as the eye can see. And jumpsuits. Littered with jumpsuits. Littered. To be clear... The jumpsuits are on the dead bodies. Yes. Oh, yes. We'll just have bodies and jumpsuits. <laughs> I feel Much like... to the detriment of the episode. Look, I know we have one listener of this podcast who is mainly. I'm Ailey. I don't want her to be confused. <laughs> we have at least 30 listeners. Hey, listeners. Hey, guys. And I, we've had only a few instances of like Starfleet, or not Starfleet, but like Federation civilians up till now. I think this is the largest concentration we've had. No, like, no. Planet with the Pancake Monsters. Oh, yeah. That was millions of people. Yeah, we only actually All see. All the more sensibly dressed. Yeah, but most of them are in uniforms, and we only These see. guys are a science party. Yeah, but they're they wearing, have, but they're right. wearing. They're they wearing, have their own pennant! Yeah, but they're not wearing uniforms. They're wearing like different clothes, and so are the kids. I mean, this is the largest concentration oh, of like. Oh, yeah. Federation civilian clothes that we've seen so far. It's true, but they're all the same style. 
They're all the same style, sort yeah. of. Yes. No, it's well, the all boys jumpsuit. Yeah. All jumpsuit, all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, there's a dude in pink who stands out. Oh, yeah. He's in pink. <laughs> My favorite part about this is he's still technically alive. Mm-hmm. He staggers towards Kirk. Kirk, instead of helping him, like, I don't even know, like, judo flips him onto the floor and just starts, like, manhandling him. The man is ill. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing that took took me out of it was Kirk knows the guy, so he stops to, like, be like, buddy, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Over someone's dead body. Yeah. He's trying to figure out, like, and then when the guy finally dies again, who just basically kind of lies down and his tongue rolls out of his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good acting. Kirk's like, he didn't recognize <laughs> me. <laughs> like, that was the greatest problem facing you in this situation. Not that your friend just died in front of you. Do you think I said something to offend him? Yeah, like, can we wake him up and ask him, like, (laughs) is it because I put on weight? (laughs) Oh, yeah. At this point, I'd like to point out that Shatner has a new haircut. He's definitely had a haircut. I believe you. I didn't notice, but I believe you. I did. I noticed these kind of things. Mm -hmm. It's what I'm here for. So they quickly established that they all poisoned themselves. Did they? Yeah. Because they... Oh. He's clutching a vial in his hand, (sighs) and two of the other dead bodies have them in their mouths. Yeah. God damn it, it's gotta be some sort of desert cult that I'm not getting the reference to. And that's really Probably. gonna bother me. Well, there's but. one thing that they didn't actually go into, and I thought must, it must have been something cut, but the, they look at a woman as well in this. And she's mm-hmm. all like oldie makeup, she, no, and she's, she's got pox marks. Bru- she's covered with yes. bruises. And they never go into why. And she's the only one who has bruises, yes. too, at least that we can see. Like, I they all poison themselves, yes. so why does she have weird spots on her? And she's got some weird face makeup on. Mm-hmm. I would love an explanation as to why. Yeah, I feel like it was a cut scene or something. Maybe They're, the children did it. I feel like they cut enough cut scenes out of this episode, it would have made like 4% more sense if they left some of them in, but... I found it made perfect sense. I could have, you know, they could have cut out 45 to 50 seconds of children pumping their fists up Oh my them. god, I was so and over we could have had some more information. Yeah. The children making jerking motions was... <laughs> Very disturbing. So you know in Stardust, the pirates who are like, hey! And then there's the scene, the cut blooper scene at the end when he's, the main actor is trying to do it, but it looks like he's doing the motions for jerking off. (laughs) And he's like, oh wait! (laughs) That is what that motion reminded me of. I was like, ah! And honestly, that didn't. I didn't even connect that until like the last ten minutes of the episode. It was just so annoying after a while. It's like they're about to play rock paper scissors. Yeah. They just never get around to it, or they always choose rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, for me, the thing that drove me nuts about it was the sound cue that came with it. Oh God! It's like the aggressive strings. Vroom, 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 vroom. I like a good aggressive string. So we're looking around at the dead bodies, and all of a sudden, a bunch of kids run out of a cave. My note here is children in stupid outfits. Starting a grand tradition in Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, Kim, would you like to take away their outfits? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> no, I, the children will remain clothed. I will describe their outfits. Mm. Uh, so they're all wearing black, knee, almost knee-high boots, which is important because they're all sort of also wearing short pants. that They're probably tucked just into the boots. Mm-hmm. The cuts of their outfits are all the same. Except for little girl. Like, sorry, 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 sorry. She stood out a lot. Yes, mostly from the color. Um, so there is a tall boy with ginger hair who is Oh, wearing, he's so ugly. He is wearing a He's so ugly. <laughs> he's probably alive, that's me. Aggressive mean. horizontal block color stripes. There is somebody who is wearing a whole lot of blue plaid. There is another boy who is wearing a red pinstripe number. Mm. It's actually quite tasteful, and that was my favorite. 
And there's another boy who was wearing gray with like very wide sort of plaid striping. And then there was the girl who was wearing yellow who had both a floral print and like flower decorations stuck on. So that was actually happening. Yes. And she had a belt on. (laughs) Mm. Because for a little while I was like, oh, oh, I was wrong. Their flowers stuck to it. But then I'd be like, oh, no. They're actual flowers. No, there was a. It was a, both a print on the outfit and flowers stuck on. Like, I was on so her confused shoulder, by like that. her neckline and her waist. And, and she was, had puff sleeve worthy of Anne of Green Gables. Yes, she did have so puffy, puffy sleeves. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I'm focusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you focusing on? Uh, the worst suicide cults in history. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to make sure that Tommy is dead so I can start talking smack about him. <laughs> oh, so the kids are like running around and singing creepy songs among them one of the creepiest of those yeah. songs ring around the rosy ring around the rosy pocket full of posies which is i believe about the hasha, black hasha, we yeah. all fall down yep they're all dead yep Kareem's they do this a, twice kareem is making an impressively terrified face what is happening over he there he is alive okay he is a musician oh, oh what kind of musician uh he does smooth jazz smooth jazz clarinet clarinet yeah <laughs> oh no yeah really oh yeah at 14 he led the youthful jazz band the craig hudley trio oh no yes his name is craig hudley by the way okay he apparently also won the primetime competition show america's got talent he tied with sly and the family stone whom i would argue did better <laughs> he also does soundtracks Wow. For TV shows? Yeah, he records pianos. <gasps> Son of a gun! He recorded piano for E.T. Oh. And Dead Poets Society. Holy oh, crap. Nice. When he was, like, young. He also did work on The Wrath of Khan and The Search for Spock. Uh, the music for that. Good for him. Very he good did okay, but I would, like you to refer- I would like to refer you to his face. Okay. He looks about like what you'd expect from an adult version of him as a child. Yeah. But he's not dead, so... So there's a really weird thing about the kids' manner, apart from the fact that they're completely unconcerned about the fact that their parents are lying dead at their feet. No, no, no. That is the only thing we can talk about. No, no. There's that. And then when the captain and the other adults who are standing alive among them go, uh, hey kids, they stop and are incredibly polite before going back to singing (laughs) creepy songs. They call them sir. It's so weird. They're really well-behaved children. Like, I'll give it to their dead parents. They raised them right, except for the part where they fell prey to an evil demon that lives in a cave. Oh, yeah. 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 I feel like that should be one of the lessons you explicitly teach children. Well, they didn't have uh, after-school television, so how would they know? (laughs) That's true. That's true. There's no after-school specials. No, and so how would you know not to trust anyone who lives in a cave? I know. Hmm. So they, like, replicate up some gravestones. No, no, no. When the hell did they have time to carve headstones? No, 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 no. Did they take those adults up to the ship and give them any autopsies first? Apparently not. Dang, Kim, that is a good point. Also, at some point in this, Fox's like, huh, there might be some sort of bacteria that made them super depressed. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. So So here's the sequence You manhandled their bodies. They bury the bodies, I guess, by hand, and were... Wherever they get the gravestones from. And I'm, a pennant. I'm assuming assuming that Spock carved those gravestones out of the surrounding rock with a phaser. Yeah, okay. sure. Why it not? was good font on the headstones. Mm-hmm. I think we need to acknowledge they yeah. were nice and cubic. Uh, but also they have a pennant. Yeah. They have a little very brief um, funeral service. This is the first time we see the United Federation of Planets flag. 
It's very dumb. It is very dumb. It gets better later. It's got bad fonts. Because before it's now, they were just using the UN flag, and now they have come out with a really ugly UFP flag. It's more attractive later, because it, they sort of go back to having sort of a mix with the UN flag. It looks like a college football thing. It does. It does. They just, um, like, plant it in the ground. Yeah. Like, well, they had to plant something in the ground so that when the kids got bored at their parents' funeral right off to play again, they'd have something to knock over and make a scene. These kids are psychopaths. Yeah. So all the adults are kind of standing somberly, and the kids are like, let's play! Yeah. As they skip over the gravestones of their dead parents. At this point, as far as we are aware, no one has done an autopsy, done any kind of medical scans. Or put on gloves. But they totally send the kids up to the ship anyway. And here I wrote, biohazard protocols, question mark, question mark? Yeah. Yeah, Bones tries to be like, well, it's probably shock, I guess. Sure. Now that I'm a psychologist again. Oh, God. <gasps> yeah. And they probably have lacuna amnesia, whatever that means. Is that and a real thing? It is a real thing, sort of. Are you going on the Google box? It's like hysterical amnesia. Okay. It's kind of a thing. Like, he's, it's way more extreme than anything I've ever read about, but... He also doesn't want to question the kids because he's like, oh, well, they're traumatized. We have to let this play out. And I'm like, um, how about no? I think I would take a look over and go, I'm sorry, do they look traumatized? I mean, I'm not a child psychologist, but there's like seven or eight murdered people here right now. Like, I'd want to know what the hell was going on before I brought them onto my ship. No, because they're clearly evil. I mean, we have enough exposure to evil children. Yeah. No, wait. They have enough exposure to evil children that they should know better. Like, at best, there's some kind of bacteria or something that causes them to commit suicide. By the way, I think that does exist in nature. (gasps) Uh, I think it's a fungus, actually, or a parasite. But things, yep, such things exist in nature. Really? Yep. Really? Yep, really. Okay, you're going to have to put a picture of that and an illustration (laughs) and a caption on the blog blog entry for this. But, like, at best, it's some kind of, like, suicide-causing fungus. And at worst, it's Charlie X again. Yeah. But you just fucking beam them up to the ship. Sure, fine, why not? Yeah, but Charlie X happened two seasons ago. They don't remember that far back. That's true. Their memories are But every time poor. they find a child without an actual living parent, they should be suspicious. Yes, just automatically. Like, don't trust orphans. That's actually... <laughs> that's true throughout oh Star God. Trek, you know Dickens what? Dickens was right! Yes. That is true throughout Star actually, Trek. Actually, Rachel Lind was right. <laughs> I mean, even if the children themselves are not necessarily evil later on, they bring evil with them. Oh my god, especially red-headed orphans! Oh! Remember that kid who Worf swears in is his blood brother who has, like, the ghost alien protecting him and kind of almost killing the ship? Yeah. Yeah. This shit, this shit goes wrong. You have to be careful about orphans in Star Trek. Fine. So, uh, they talk about mass suicide. Here's where Spock brings up the possibility of suicide bacteria. And then just kind of... Was it off. it? Yeah, not no important. big deal. Like, wait, did anyone wear gloves when we were handling those bodies? Yeah, that's probably no big deal. Probably not important, I guess. Uh, at this point, we also discover the anxiety cave. <laughs> because Spock gets a weird reading, and they go into the cave where the kids were hiding, and he detects... There, This is really vague and confusing and poorly written. It's like, yes. Spock's decides detecting something, maybe a life form, who knows? And Kirk starts feeling intense anxiety to the point that he freaks out and runs out of the cave. Like... Here's the thing. We've mentioned it on screen explicitly, like, in human words, something fucking weird is going on that made Kirk feel incredibly anxious. He mentions this, and then we never think of it again. Yeah. They bring it up a little bit towards the end. Yeah, but not until they the read the logs. Yeah. What I love most about this is that this cave is definitely something Freudian. <laughs> for sure it's also the same when they go into the cave they have anxiety about their performance in the cave <laughs> it's also the same set piece from the cave in spock's brain 
This was actually oh, yeah. the first time it was used. Absolutely. It was yeah. the same set piece. Why replicate a cave if you don't have to? Exactly. But yeah, so they go in. Kirk does this shimmy. I would like to say that Shatner Another is hunk. dialing it up to... So I read a thing about this episode, which, by the way, is considered is widely considered to be the worst episode of original series. Strong disagree. There's worse. No, we have seen worse. The we have one seen with worse. The cat lady. I was like, this is interminable. That is yeah. true. I have seen. Personally and we haven't worse. even got to the hippies yet. But it is oh, generally no, the hippies cons- is my favorite. The hippies episode. has some funny stuff in it, but it is generally considered by like most of the internet. Well, to they're be the wrong. Worst. Well, because we have seen worse episodes. This anyway. one, I was like. Okay, it's got a beginning, and it's got a middle, and it's got an end, and fine. It does, however, contain that scene in the elevator where Kirk, later yes. on, and that, that is considered to be generally the, like, the Shatner performance that comedians doing unflattering imitations of him are using as a source. So here's the deal Wait, about that. Wait, the extremely homoerotically charged? Uh, yes, that yes, yes, yes. So the first exposure I had to that scene was in a vid, which is sent, <laughs> set to, I think, the Nine Inch Nails. I would like to something you as an like an animal which was on the radio this morning it was like every three words were blipped out (laughs) we get the point anyways that is all i could think of for the rest of the episode because there's a lot of like neck grabbing and like (gasps) close face holding yeah yeah it is sexually charged to the extreme but i get it like shatner is not doing his best here he's reaching peak shatner yeah, well, I would argue that there are worse scenes with him. Yeah. There are worse scenes, that, but... To be honest, that was my favorite scene of the whole episode. <laughs> Not... <laughs> yes. What? You know what? I, I, I'm not sure I want to investigate that any further. We'll talk about it when we get later, there. Later, later. Yeah. So they uh, fob the kids off on chapel because, well, why not? She's a she's woman. A woman. Mm. She's a woman. Yeah, And on. I mean, I guess she's a healthcare provider, but, like, really? I mean, she's good with children. All women are innately love children. Sure. She bribes them with... There isn't an inferior nurse who could have done this. She's the head nurse. There are two medical professionals on this ship. You know, there's at least one other doctor. One of them is a doctor slash psychologist. But only when appropriate. Only when he wants to do something. Yeah. But yeah. if she's the head nurse, there are other nurses somewhere. Maybe she's just head nurses like... Oh, well, you're the best and only nurse. Maybe this sounded like more fun than like... You're the head of Cataloging you. Cataloging hypospray's? You're the head of you. So we finally... Okay, this scene's really creepy in a number yes, of different ways. Because, because it's in a Freudian forest. <laughs> it's like an it's an arboretum, apparently. It's it's a set piece from something that got a scene cut. They built this, that that weird found, looks flower good, fountain yeah. thing. It's very cool looking. And in fact, it looks much more like, like the leisure areas we see in later Star Treks. Yeah. Um, it's got weird... Freudian plants. It in looks the like weird a flower fountain. Freudian jungle. And she's trying to keep the children entertained by bribing like, them with them ice cream. Ice cream. Uh, Fine. Sure. I know the QI says that children do not get hyper when they get sugar. They don't. But it's psychosomatic. But there's all of these bits and pieces in all the interactions. And this is the only good thing that I do not think was intentional, but I, I liked it anyway. Is that as the episode goes on, the children seem like like ramping up levels of sinister but technically doing things that aren't that weird. Like, like eating ice cream? Like when they don't want to go back to the Enterprise, or when the kid, the last kid, gets ice cream that is like coconut and vanilla. They're yes. both white, and I'm like, oh, he's going to kill her. Yes. <laughs> I felt very, very nervous It made her. me very anxious. It's like, they're not white. They're white. Uh... I'm sorry, please don't kill me with your laser eyes. 
It okay. made me very anxious for no reason I could actually convey. We know that this that... child is a psycho because yeah. he likes chocolate, pistachio, and peach. Ugh. Altogether. That's disgusting. No. Kids have really weird taste buds. Yeah, not that weird. That's disgusting. I also did notice that he got a bowl that was like five times as large as everybody yeah. else's. Yes. How well. does the replicator decide what size and portion you get? Buttons? I don't know. She pushes buttons, I guess. Buttons. She's like, you're creeping me out extra, so you get extra ice cream. <laughs> Please don't kill me. Um, the kids are officially healthy, because Bones and... and Ooh, Kirk there's are, a good pun there. They're yeah. officially hell Oh, God. That's kind of... No, that's mm, bad. No, that was really good. Guys, come on. Come on. Come on. Um, Bones doesn't want to... Still doesn't want to question them. He keeps mentioning this. He wants to wait until they can get them to a child specialist at the nearest star base. And Kirk's like, okay, but murders. No, there's a great line here where Bones is like, well, I'm not going to stop you, but it will probably harm the children. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Kirk does go into the Arboretum and questions, like, sort of, in this really uncomfortable, like, you know how Picard thinks he's really bad with kids and it's really funny? Kirk is way worse with kids. Kirk thinks he's being good with kids and being friendly and trying to be, it's, it's like the weird adult trying to be your pal. Because Hello, fellow youths! <laughs> yes, Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> I want to put a backwards baseball cap on his head. Give him a skateboard. <laughs> What's hip today, home dogs? <laughs> yes. Yeah. His, and, uh, I, I mean, but you know what? I will actually give him points for his questioning technique. So he's like, oh, hmm. you probably missed your planet. And they're like, that place. That hole. He's yeah. like, it's like, don't you miss your parents? And they're like, parents like really. stupid things. Parents like children. And there's a creepy, awkward pause. And then the totally normal-looking redhead kid yeah. starts chanting, busy, busy. And then they all start running around like creeps again. I was just like, wow, way to change the subject, yeah. kid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is hard to change a subject when things get touchy or you're in an awkward moment or you figure out that your coworker voted for Trump. Like, <sighs> how do you change subject quickly without getting into ugly things? You just start chanting a single word over and over again until it's nonsensical. And everyone's afraid to interrupt you again because they think you'll kill them. Actually, the more we talk about this, <laughs> I'm going to try that at work. So the kids do this every time they're pressed. They start acting like crazy people. Um, it's really, really awkward. Like what 87-year-old adult wrote these children who had never met an actual human child before in their lives? Yeah. Because these kids are not that young. None of them Oh, are. they're very, they're young. They're supposed to be like seven. Tommy is not. He is like 13, Tommy is conservatively years 85 years old. Despite the Wikipedia article to the contrary. <laughs> he is not, he's young. He's too old for most of these games, though, so it feels really weird and no, awkward. No, he's really young. He's not that young. Um, the thing that here that was the best part of this whole thing for me was when Kirk figures out that, oh, you're bees, you're, because they're running around. He's 12. Screaming, busy, busy, busy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you're a swarm of bees. And the little girl runs oh, over yeah. to Kirk and just starts viciously poking him. Yeah. And she's stinging him because she's yeah. a bee. And she's basically, she's like trying to destroy him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I was like, that was a little bit creepy. That was weird. Very, she's trying very to like, creepy. crap out of here. Yeah. Okay, guys. Craig Hundley, whose face I have been not making fun of, <laughs> played Peter Kirk in Operation Annihilate. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I should have realized there could be only one person with that face. He's not dead. <laughs> Uh, so they shuffle the kids off again. Okay, here's and where Kirk I was like, yes, I was like, back. uh, 
Yeah, you shouldn't be alone with children, Kirk. <laughs> I mean, even evil children, you should probably have, like, a chaperone or a child psychologist handy. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy! Because Tommy's the oldest, he thinks he can reason with him, but he's still a child, and children are psychopaths. Also, Tommy is clearly up to something. Yeah. Because and wise to what he's Kirk like, is. So, hey, about your parents. Eh, yeah, they're happy wherever they are. Yeah, but... You know, they're... Could you tell me about what happened right before? Were they upset? Oh, they were always upset. (laughs) Parents Uh, just don't understand, guys. No, They just don't understand you and your demon king. So he lets Tommy go, and he does the only intelligent thing any adult does in this episode. He sets a guard on their door. Yes. (laughs) Which I was actually willing to forgive everything else in this episode. (laughs) Because he's like, oh, that's an awfully fucking suspicious 12-year-old. You know what? I'll give him credit. He seems to be on board with the whole you can't trust orphans in Star Trek thing. Yeah, yeah. He he seems to know innately that you... There's something fucking wrong here. They skipped over someone's grave. They skipped over their parents' literal dead bodies. They were leaping yes. over bodies while running in circles <laughs> and singing songs. It's like, oh. And funnily enough, we flip back to the children and they appear to be worshipping Satan. And doing a spell. <laughs> oh, this would be when Karina was watching the episode and just yelled out, guys, are they worshipping Satan? <laughs> Turns out, I was pretty much right. Yeah, you weren't far off. Because they're hand-holding and chanting, which and is never walking a good in a sign. circle. It's creepy. Yeah. Yep. And they have a little rhyme that they sing about their friendly angel, who is Satan. Yeah. Now, and it turns out to be a giant fat man in a crystal cape. <laughs> and also a green hologram. Now, I don't know how to describe this outfit. Okay, so he's got a wide fabric collar that goes all the way around, but okay. it's covered in viney leaves. And then... It's a yoke. That's the word I was looking yoke. for. It's a yoke, yes. Mm. Then, coming from under that... It's just basically a long silver floor-length sheet with yeah. a lot of gathers around the neck that just sort of cascades down. He has no arms. No arms. It's not very form-fitting. It's, it's kind it, of like a wizard's cape. Yeah, he's like a head yes. floating above like a, a metal cape. A lampshade yes. of some kind. Yes. Well, no. It's he, very Wizard of Ozzy, I think. Yeah. I think he's supposed to come off like a, a head. Like he's the head of the operation. Ah. <laughs> You can make lame puns, so can I. Actually, Kim, I think that visual metaphor works really well. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Floating holographic head on a lampshade. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, head on a yeah. drape. So, all we get... Oh, God. This, 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 this is a performance. He wants them to go to Marcus 12, which is a planet with a million people, where they with will millions find... millions of people. They're only going to keep a million. Oh, right, because you wouldn't want too many cult followers. Kill the adults, keep the children. Presumably. Uh, Their birth rate is severely out of whack. Um, (laughs) But anyways, he's like, you'll have a million friends, at which point I was like, (laughs) even as a child, I would have hated that idea. That's like a living nightmare. Isn't it? You have a million friends. Oh, do I have to? All of them want a piece of your time. So yeah, at this point I was like, oh, it's a cult. And he keeps talking about yeah, how, magic space cult. how we defeated our enemies on Triacus. The enemies being their parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's where we get suggested what the children's motivation for going along with this. And this is insane. That no one will tell you when to go to bed or what to eat or where to go. Uh, what does he say? I will rule the universe and it will be yours to play in. Yeah, as a persuasive argument, I find it lacking. By the way, what happens when you age up in this cult? Do you hit 18 and then you're the enemy? 
no, the enemy are just the people who don't believe in him. But start young. Start young. This is also very stupid because somehow he imbues them, despite the fact that he's no longer in, like, his Freud cave, he's still able to imbue them with powers if they do a jerking off motion. (laughs) They're able to control what people... No, no, no. It's even stupider than that. It shows them their fear. It awakes the beast within you. Again, I am about as coherent as this episode. It awakens the beast of fear within them from which the children are able to control them and then they will take over the Enterprise. Sure. That's a good a good, good summary enough. of events. That's yeah. about as well as it's explained. But it's used in such different ways among different members of the crew. So like they yeah. use it to like the beast of fear is awoken in Kirk. Everyone else just has their mind washed, like their brainwashed. And has random hallucinations. No, because I feel... Oh, Ahura gets her fear. Ahura gets her fear, which is apparently being old. Super fucking sexist fears. Yes. I am questioning as to whether the mirror by her station was real. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't, because it wasn't there before. I, I went we back and looked. like to believe. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, Sulu's fear is apparently a maze of knives <laughs> in space. Yeah. A round maze of knives that he cannot escape by going up or down. Just has to keep going through that maze. That's a weird-ass fear. Yep. It was a very random fear. Like, surely you're in space in a ship with shields. The knives can't get you, Sulu. It's okay. No, plus they're knives. Yeah. And Chekhov's is... Did we get a fear for Chekhov? No. No, he was just easily... (laughs) Easily convinced. It was probably something to do with his hair. (laughs) That's fair. It is a beautiful head of hair. He loves his hair. So what's going to happen from here on in that we can very easily gloss over is that Tommy comes on the bridge. No one is fucking suspicious about a kid on the bridge. This is after they've set a guard on their door. Yes. The guard follows the guy and no one notices this kid in a jumpsuit come onto the bridge. While they're watching, like, the Dear Diaries of the guy who couldn't be bothered to remember Kirk's name on his deathbed. Yeah. And Kirk will never forget. He's clearly looking for an explanation, not so much of how they died, as to, why don't you remember me? (laughs) And he talks about the cave of fear. And it's his diary entries. I don't know who's recording them. I think it's, like, selfie mode. Oh, Presumably, yes. Tricorder selfie mode, activate. (laughs) Oh, Tricarter, not their phasers. I'm like, oh, if you did a phaser and you pointed it at yourself and hit the wrong button. They did commit suicide, Corrine. Good point. So yeah, he has diary entries about, well, I feel kind of uneasy. Should we leave this planet? Nah. Nah. The children are having fun. It sounds like they didn't have a ship. I keep being baffled by this. It's like... You're just going to fucking drop researchers on a planet with no way of escape? Everyone should have a ship. A lot of our scientists don't have ships either. Yeah. Yeah. They just plonked there. And then just leave them. That seems really weird to me. Well, what if something happened? What if a natural disaster or an invasion or something? We've seen what happens. Everybody dies. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Why leave people there if you don't give them a contingency to go get out when things start happening? They did have a contingency. They called Starfleet. Yeah, they cannot get there in no time. Except then he canceled. So he's so the, the the logs are basically like so the adults started feeling really anxious, didn't bother the children, mm-hmm. and then they started finding themselves doing things that made no sense that they had no memory of deciding to do. Yeah, 
And then they were like, oh, well, we need to we need to call a ship, call for a ship from Starfleet. And then they realized that what they were doing made no sense and that something was controlling. And that's where it breaks off, of Because course. Tommy... Walks onto the bridge. And shuts it off. Yeah. With his powers. And Kirk's like, uh, we'll take this in my office. Leave and him, leave him on the, the bridge. Child, the child under guard. Under guard, because he's hella suspicious. Yeah. When they've just been told... By the guy who can't remember Kirk's name, mm-hmm. that they were forced to do things that they don't remember why. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and so Tommy has come onto the bridge and he yes. gets right up in Kirk's face. Yeah, like uncomfortably like, close. Yeah, I was like, can we go to this planet? It sounds cool. He says he has family on this planet. Yeah. And Kirk's, Kirk's like, no, no, we're taking you to a star base. Yeah, and then that's when Kirk leaves. And then, Tommy just takes over the whole goddamn bridge. Yep. Tommy does his jerk-off motion all over Sulu, who apparently sees a maze full of knives. So, apparently, instead of swords, it was initially supposed to be missiles. But that doesn't make any fucking sense either. Well... You're in a spaceship with shields! Yeah, but... If they were really powerful missiles, knives makes less knives sense. Knives makes no sense. Knives makes They would just bounce off. Sense. And when you're watching, you're like, what am I... Is it really knives? Is it knives? Are the graphics just really bad and I don't understand? Yes. It is a space full of flying knives. Sure. Uhura kind of takes a look over because, of course, Sulu's like, yeah, for sure. Like, let's Yeah, because he gets Sulu well. and Chekhov. And for a while, nobody on the bridge notices oh they've changed God. course. And then Uhura looks up and goes, um, why the fuck aren't we in orbit anymore? And then they show her that she's old. Yeah. Scotty Cotton's on from engineering, which I don't... How can he tell where they're going just by looking at some blinking lights? I don't know. But, like, one of the kids goes into engineering. It's auxiliary control and, like, yeah. fist bumps two guys into not paying attention <laughs> to where they're going. Yeah. To not notice they've changed course. My favorite part is that Scotty essentially marches on, takes a look around and goes, Hey! Hey! What's going on here? And they're like, oh, we're doing the thing. And he's like, hey, 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 no, 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 no. And he goes over to touch the controls. And the guy in charge swats his hand away. Yeah. No. My no. question. Yeah. Yeah. How do the children know the ship well enough to know exactly which points to hit? I assume that once they were finished their last chant, which was, <laughs> as you believe, so shall you do. So magical thinking alive and well in the 1960s. Yep. That then the ghost of Oz told them what to do. Okay. I mean, that is a stretch. It yeah. is a big stretch. It is a stretch. But. Because this is a strategy you would not really expect from eight-year-olds. Speaking of strategy, Scotty punches one guy in the face. He goes down. Punches the other guy. Doesn't bother to, like, cover his back or anything. Oh, no. 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 He just allows that entire flank to be taken down. dragged down. Mm -hmm. He does. So, Spock and Kirk are looking over the diaries, which are like, oh, we have to destroy ourselves because we're being forced to do things like call for a ship. Yeah. And something clearly has sinister aims towards the Federation. Yes. I, actually, I feel like mass suicide was a little extreme. Like, you couldn't have, like, sent a message like, um, mind control on this planet, approach with caution. Also, if you... Because they managed to send a distress call. Yeah. So if you are going to commit mass suicide and everybody needs to die, start with the children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Because here's the... Oh, shit. Okay. I think the, I think that the last year diary guy was actually mind controlled to send the distress, distress signal. Okay. That um, makes sense. Yeah. Because he didn't want to do it and they forced him to do it. But anyways, the parents couldn't 
could not force themselves to poison their own children, so they left them to slowly die of starvation. That's worse, parents. I don't know. That's dark. It is incredibly dark. But, like, if you're going to do a murder-suicide thing, send the kids first I feel like, painlessly. And I'm not a parent, obviously, but wouldn't the kinder thing be to kill your own kids at that point? Or at least to drug them unconscious? Yeah. Like, did they try that? I don't know. We don't really know. Like, like all we hear, all we hear about the kids is that they're fine. But, okay, here's the deal. Like, that's really extreme, and I get where you're coming from, but have you tried drugging people? Except I also kind of feel like the decision to to mass suicide was something that, you know, the magical jellyfish man told them that they needed to do once he realized he couldn't control them to the extent he wanted to. No, because he would have continued to use their bodies but what if necessary. he couldn't? Like, what if they have enough no, resistance they because realized. they're not, like, young and mentally elastic? They realized that something was going on, and so they decided to But, I mean, maybe he himself. interfered with that decision to the point where they didn't take out their own kids. Well. Because he wanted the kids kept alive. I think. Like, well, you're clearly lost. You can go. But I'm keeping these. I don't know. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. None of it really does, but. Well, cult leaders do prey on the weak and stupid, so yep, children that's are a true. good, uh, good yep. target. And this is great, because they're like, geez, this is so weird. Spock, look, happened to the people who used to live on this planet? And he's like, oh, well, you know, they were marauders who marauded, and then eventually were marauded by their marauders. Mm-hmm. But there is this weird kind of folktale <laughs> that stays around. <laughs> About how, you know, and these are, I think, his exact word. Evil waits a catalyst to awaken it and send it marauding again. Yeah, that, that is, is that happens. very specific yep. and maybe should have been heated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, this is the first expedition to this planet. No one apparently looked at the local legends. Except presumably that's where the legends came from, was the archaeology expedition that just killed themselves. That's a weird prophecy to just kind of leave, like, weirdly specific prophecy to leave lying around. What do we know from countless murder mysteries? You don't fuck with curses. Nope. You just don't. Nope. Yeah. Um, Bones, spectacularly missing the point, is still more concerned about the children's grieving process than the fact that they might take out the entire ship. They are busy chanting on the bridge. Yep. Yeah. Like, chanting. Mm-hmm. And Kirk's like, well, there's some evil. We might have to kill the children. <laughs> Which I was like, holy crap, that is bold. <laughs> that went there fast? That, well, no. But like to say that out loud on a television show, on yeah. a network at the time. Yeah, like, he actually says, shit. we may have to kill the children. I think even today if someone yeah. said that in, in a sci-fi show, you'd be like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get what you're saying, but whoa. Yeah. Um, then they go to the transporter room, and this is very horrifying. Kirk has decided that he needs to send some people down to do some further investigation. Well, he's got guards on the surface, and these are supposed to be, like, relief. Yeah. (laughs) This is, again, these children are 100% responsible for the death that follows. Yeah. Because he, but again, I'm going to give some side-eye to the transporter technician, who should have been looking at the coordinates going, huh. That's weird. Yeah, like, wouldn't you check first to make before sure? You set, before you disintegrate From, someone. Like, I'm not, like, a physics expert, but I, I feel like I'm about as much of a transporter expert as anyone. Kim, you too. Okay. Like, you need coordinates to both beam down and beam up. Yep. You would have to check before you started the transport. Yep. Otherwise, you would beam them into a wall. Or, in this case, space. space. 
the final front. Like, do they even reintegrate? Like, do they even rematerialize? Or they're just atoms scattered across? It depends. I kind of hope it is because it's way less awful. I, I thought that transporting was, is that you just materialize back at a certain coordinates that were given to you. So in which case they would have reorganize themselves in the middle of space and then be torn apart by space. Yeah. But from the way I understand about the way transport... From what I understand about the way transporters work is that you actually have to form a connection on both ends before it should even work. Then again, the transporters that I am most familiar with are 24th century ones, which are, they tell us, frequently much safer. Yes. So it's possible that this is a completely manual process with no safeguards that you can just hit go and shoot them out into space. Send somewheres? Who knows? Like, it's, but, just a, it's just a distance away in a certain direction. Yeah. The moral of the story is they beam two red shirts off into space <laughs> and they die. Yeah, because they don't check. Because they're beaming them down to replace the guys who are on the surface of the planet they think they're still in orbit of. And then when they go to beam the guys who are on the planet's surface back up, they're like, huh, that wasn't like that before, right? Oh, noes. But it's time for a pep talk from our favorite floating head, mm. who's the enemy have discovered our operation. <laughs> Their fear is the beast. If you need me, call me. Yeah. Like, why did the children bother summoning him for, like, a pep talk? It was a really good pep talk. Were he's they, like, like, reporting? Well, no, he's like, Kirk is on to us, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, okay, so they're on the bridge, and the ghost just... Gorgon, whatever we're calling him, yeah, spills the whole plan. Yeah, and three of the children leave to go and do stuff around the ship. Yes, and a guard goes with them. Yeah, but the children shall lead Kim. Oh my god, it was so stupid. It is very stupid. So of course they're trying to wrestle the thing back. Spock goes to call Starkly to say hey, um, but he gets Doctor Strange shaky hands, at which point that's when I started thinking about Doctor Strange. Because his hands are shaking and he's trying to push the button, but he can't! Kirk goes to berate a security officer and the children... Who hears him like the teacher from Charlie Brown. Yes. And the non- My favorite part about that entire exchange where Kirk is going like... And there's a weird thing here, again, where... Spock makes the excellent point the kids are basically cultists and Kirk changes tax and he's like, oh, they don't understand what they're doing because he mm. now sees that there's something manipulating them, which fine, but they still definitely killed some people. They're two plus. Um, two Kirk plus. and Spock run away from the bridge because they're making no progress there. Into the elevator of acting. Yeah. Wait, hang on a second here. There was a thing that happened, so... There's a lot of things that happen. Yeah, there's in this a lot of things that happen. So Kirk tells Sulu to change course. Sulu sees the knives. He sees a screensaver <laughs> of knives. Yeah. Kirk tells, <laughs> sorry, I'm just going over my notes here. Kirk tells Ahura to call Starfleet. She won't she because sees, she's old. She's she's old. So Kirk shakes her like a baby. Um, she cries <laughs> yeah. like a baby. Sulu pushes Kirk away from all the controls. Then Spock asks the question: Why are we bothering Starfleet with this? And my question here was, is he under the influence yes. yet? I wondered yes. that too. Yes. Because I didn't think no, he'd been fist, he was. fist bang yet. <laughs> well, we didn't see any physical evidence of the fist bang. I would say that it is incredibly was. confused about what's happening when in this sequence. He does eventually get like mind controlled for a minute before he grabs Kirk and he's like, okay, we have to leave. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then we have the homoerotic elevator ride. Kirk, well, then Kirk tells security... To yeah. take Sulu to quarters, 
But then he gets fist banged, and is... nobody can understand what Kirk is saying, which yeah. would actually be really disturbing mm-hmm. to be talking and no one around you can understand what's ha- coming out of your mouth. Because Kirk's beast is that he loses command. Yes. Uh, my favorite part about this entire interaction is that Kirk goes over to the security guard and just starts like screaming at him, like, do this, do that, but in the Charlie Brown voice. And the security guard has Nothing. no expression. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's giving... Nothing. He's not even like, what language are you speaking face? Not even like a furrowed brow. Just nothing. 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 And I think even if I was in that situation, I would do a kind of like head tilt. You don't even need to move your face. Just tilt your head. Yeah. Acting tips from Corrine. Mm. He wasn't being paid to act though, Corrine. He was being paid to fill some space. Fair enough. There's a bunch of toing and froing that I didn't really keep that much care about because I didn't care. They, they try and take control of engineering and fail. Did we um, talk about the turbo lift? We did. We've talked about it twice. There's a very homoerotic turbo lift ride. It is... Where everybody gets a hold of themselves. Sexually charged. It was. It was very... The word I used in my notes was... Into, I don't want to talk about this because this is my okay, favorite part okay, of the episode. Okay. Is it the shot? Like, the framing of the shot was extremely intimate. And that it was not, like, dirty intimate. Get the nose out of the gutter mind or whatever is down there. But, like, it was emotionally intimate because you have this really hard close-up on Spock. Hmm. Hard close-up. Oh, my God. (laughs) Fine, we won't talk about this. No, we can talk about it. The funny thing I found about that is that Spock is taking up way more of the screen than Kirk is, and yet... You're not supposed to look at Spock at all. It's all about Kirk until like the last second and a half where Spock goes, Jim. And all the tone there is, get a hold of yourself, man. <laughs> the thing that would make this scene better is if Shatner acted a little bit less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he, his entire body language um, and his cadence and the way that he is presenting is that of like a three-year-old. Yeah. He goes really like the self-hugging yeah. and the grabbing his yeah. shirt and the, he the hunches shuffling. and cowers like a child. He becomes childlike. Shoulders. Goes, I've lost command. I've lost command. Where's my teddy bear? <laughs> New York Times, so mean. <laughs> That's the voice that I read all of Donald Trump's tweets in. <laughs> oh CNN, do your job. Bad journalism. Hamilton, so rude. <laughs> Theater is a safe space. Anyhow, it is a, it's a great scene. I think I like it better without sound. But if he toned it down like 20%, it would be a really good scene instead of like, could be good, but it's actually a little embarrassing to me. Well, again, it's because this this episode is missing an emotional beat somewhere. Or a theme. But it's not taking itself seriously enough. Yeah. But it was my favorite scene because it was sort of the only thing in the episode that was kind of grounded in any kind of real reality reality and emotion i agree i totally agree because the rest of it is just totally untethered nonsense that is connected to nothing no theme no plot no central metaphor kareen seems to disagree i do okay i think the theme is evil can mislead even the most innocent into doing things that they don't fully realize but I think the problem with the episode is that the children are way too goddamn happy, but it isn't 
met on the other side of the scale with the gravitas of the adults involved. No, that's true. They need to ha- they needed to have much more grounded and real emotions and reactions to things, like really being horrified yeah. on behalf of the children. Yes. But that um, would require them to have fully fleshed out personalities, lives, and backstories well, in a way that we don't really get in the original series. It's tough because... Until much later in the movies. None of them, they have their moment of, well, this is very upsetting, but they don't focus themselves on the emotion about it. They're too focused on, well, we need to question these children, but it could damage them, yeah. but not like, we need to understand what has happened here. It is horrifying for us, and we are horrified for the children. And there wasn't enough real emotion there they also, to balance out the kids. They also totally failed at contrasting the horror of what was happening with like a more normal existence. Except with like the except with the exception of like the minute and a half we see of like weird picnic scenes. When they do this in later Star Treks, and I'm thinking of um the imaginary friend episode. Okay. Where it's like everyone in that episode even Clara, who is the little girl who has the imaginary friend who wants to destroy the ship and kill everyone on it. Yeah. Um, she's got a life. She has people who love her. She's got a stable existence. And then this thing happens. Or like the kid with the ghost alien stepmom. It's like you have a very clear grounding that this kid had a life and a real like support system before I this happened. don't agree. I don't care about their lives. They came onto this planet with their parents and the parents are scientists and are doing their thing. So it's new to them. I care that our crew doesn't show enough real emotion about what happened. That it's very quickly swept under the rug. Kim, opinion. I think I'm going to agree with Corrine on this one. Um, and that you needed more more of a reaction from the crew. Other than, like, the only person who's really concerned about, seems to be concerned about the well-being of the children, is Bones. But only in his creepy doctor. And he's not in the episode enough no. to really no. be an advocate for no. them? No, he, like, he, they do cast him in the advocate role, but he bounces in and out of yeah. scenes so fast. Um, I think the other thing that would have lent this episode some more emotional weight was a more, to focus on the, 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 the beast is, like, their fear is the yes. beast. And to actually give these the crew some real fears, not like a floating knife screensaver. And like, <laughs> to be fair, who among us has not that fear? <laughs> um, I would actually like one of those, please. Where can I find one? Um, and to give like Ahura something more nuanced. Oh. Than, like, although, I mean, I did appreciate that it wasn't necessarily just that she was old. It, it was, was mortality. disease and, and death pain. And, and that. Yeah. But like go into what is Spock's fear? What is che- yeah. like, Chekhov, who is like supposed to be like 22 and with a fabulous head of hair? What does he have to care about? Like <laughs> Early onset balding. <laughs> I feel like they probably have a cure for that in the future. Yeah. Apparently so, not. So yeah. See Picard. But, but that's why this, this turbulence... Hey, there's scene, a whole interview with Patrick Stewart about that. The, we'll get to that. But that's why this um, this turbulence scene was my favorite part of the episode, was because it was the only thing with any kind of real emotional weight behind it. Yeah. No, I, I feel as if, if if they had taken themselves and their theme, Ari, their mm. theme of you need to face your fear, no, no, no. And that's what makes you an adult, mm. is that you're still afraid and you confront the horrible things that happen. And that's what Chapel says when he gets the ice cream, that some experiences are good. There are good surprises and bad surprises. And this yes. is your bad surprise. But something good might come afterwards. Yeah. I think that if they had made that their theme, that all of us have bad surprises, have bad things happen to us. It was all about gaining equilibrium. 
Yeah. But it's really fucking clumsily executed. And that's kind of what I mean by, like, them not... We see nothing of anybody having a normal life or a real backstory or anything. And it doesn't work with the Enterprise crew because we don't really get character development or relationships for the most part in original series. I think you would have had to choose one of the kids and give their relationship with their parent a little bit of backstory. Yeah. Like... Yeah, my dad used to, he gave me this, I don't know, jumpsuit. (laughs) It's the best jumpsuit. We used to go sand dune blasting with it. Like, whatever. But then have no emotion about it. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end of the episode, when he finally sees his father and his father puts his hand on him, and then he kind of looks down and he's wearing his jumpsuit and he touches it and he remembers all of that. Mm -hmm. Like, you just need that one anchor tying that all together. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I meant by, like, it's untethered. Like, it's not connected to anything real. Well, you, you had except, to, of course, for the homoerotic triple. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. You had you had to give it an, emotion, <laughs> an emotional anchor, both for our crew and for the children. There yeah. has to be something to lose and something to go back to. Yes, and we don't get any impression of that. Yes, because it devolves into Kirk's like, "Well, I'll fucking show you sadness," because he gets them to call him on the telephone, and so the great and powerful Oz shows up and starts giving another <laughs> rousing pep talk, and Kirk's like. Okay, but watch this sad PowerPoint montage of all the good times you have with your parents, and that will be the end of you, sir. And he loses all his powers, apparently. I don't understand why he loses all his powers. Pratchettian belief. Sure, I guess. The ending was kind of insane, but, like, Kirk gets his mojo back, and I really did enjoy... I'm really angry about the ending. Yeah, of course, it was terrible. <laughs> no, like, not not, not the part where the, the, where the uplifting ending was back. the crying children, but, like, that whole thing where Kirk's like, I know what you are now. We recognize you. The parents, they recognize you. We know exactly what you are. And I thought it was leading up to, like, some kind of specific folkloric reference like it's satan or it's like oh well all of (laughs) it was satan all along the demons they were really aliens and they're controlled by prachetian belief and i'm like i've been totally on board with that it would it was dumb but at least would have made sense but this they do all of this oh well we know what you are we know exactly how to defeat you i'm like i want a fucking reference i want it explained but they never do nothing is explained i to kim's point where uh kirk gets his mojo back and he's like my beast is defeated (laughs) What? Yeah. What? What? How? Why? The last, my last line of notes here is, okay, but what the fuck was he? Well, he was a barnacle. He, I think they tried very clumsily to explain him as some sort of, I don't even know, I lost track. It was hard to understand, but this was dumb. I wanted an archetypal explanation for this well, creature. You're not going to get one. And I'm yeah. upset that we didn't get one. Like, I'm sorry, just like, the, the magic of childhood purity and innocence is not actually like a specific goal. Well, maybe it's a specific energy that barnacles feed off of. <laughs> we'll never know. Yeah. So part, the way this sort of ends, um, the Kirk pulls out the family photos for the kids. Mm-hmm. And there is a bizarre pastoral version of a tisket a tasket playing in the background. As is that what that was? A tisket a tasket. Oh, creepy, creepy song. Cre- At that point, I started unloading the dishwasher. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it was. That's the only tune I know. Really? Yeah. Oh. It was awful, and I hated it. That's fair. Yeah, and they just start bawling, and he sort of blisters up and fades out. And Kirk's like, yeah, I made them cry. Let's go back to Starbase, kids, so you can start dealing with your fucking problems. And Bones comes on and goes, huzzah, they're crying. (laughs) What? We can help them now. 
And, like, I guess we're supposed to be like, oh, well, the children no longer believe in him, so now he's powerless, but couldn't he just go find more children? Well, I think they're going to put a big sign up on this planet. But, like, how do Also, we those children are going to jail for a hundred years, so who cares? <laughs> yeah. The end. I don't... So, lesson to be learned from this episode. Kim? Um... I think I, my life lesson I wrote down was corrupt power can only flourish when the weak prop it up. <laughs> Dang, that is deep. Wow. Uh, Ari? Uh, there is no magical, moral, absolute concept of good and evil, and children don't have it yet. Mine would be don't trust orphans. <laughs> uh, Kim, your count? Uh, death. Ten parents and two red shirts. Ari, your count? Uh, depending on whether we are counting... People who are mostly dead in this episode, but we see footage of. Sure. Uh, if we're if we're not counting the dead parents, uh, oh no, I'm counting the dead parents. We're counting the dead parents, yeah, because we course. do see them. On we screen. get to see them alive in the video. Yeah. Okay. In that case, it's uh, seven women and eight people of color, which is actually a pretty good ratio yeah. for Star Trek. Yeah. Um. So don't trust children. <laughs> Do you have a performance of the episode? No. And I refuse to let anyone give a performance of the... Okay, fine. Uh, Kim, your performance of this episode. I wanted you to do this because you're going to be happy. Shatner. What? For the turbo lift scene and only that. <laughs> and if it hadn't been for that, no one would have gotten performance. I really like that scene. Clearly. Close your mouth, Korean. The flies will get in. So here's the deal. <laughs> that is, again... As Ari said, agreed to be one of the worst performances of Shatner of all time. Certainly the most mockable. I had no idea, and I enjoyed that scene. (laughs) Simply for the emotional weight that it gave to the episode. (laughs) For like the four seconds it was happening. Yeah. Uh, Ari, did you have a performance? I kind of am tempted to give it Shatner too. Oh my god. But only on the basis of the fact that he's the only one that did any even semi-consistent acting in this entire episode. Everyone else just screamed and clutched at their faces the whole time. That's fair. And Bones rejoiced at children crying. Yeah, which I liked. Um, if I had to give it to someone, I would give it to Craig Huxley, who oh, played good. Tommy. Um, just because I was really mean to him as a 14-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm glad you're doing well, Craig. He grew into that face. <laughs> but actually, like, he gives a decent performance as a yeah. scary-ass freaky kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was instantly suspicious of him. Oh, of course. So good job there. The little yeah. girl was decently creepy think, as well. Yes. Yeah, when she was doing the whole, well, I can't remember what she was saying to Kirk, but she was, like, viciously poking, poking him. him. When she was a bee. Yeah. <laughs> that was, like, that was... I'm gonna sting you. Her first yeah. name was Pamela, I remember that. I don't remember her last name. That, But that was, like, that was a little disturbing. It was very disturbing. Yeah, yeah was, when she just started... She got really into that role. ...beating the child. Yeah. No, I mean, the kids all did a really good job, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good job. I will give, I give points to anyone who can cry on command. And they all did real well. (laughs) They cried very convincingly. Um, Actually, one of the children, Brian Tochi, ended up in Next Gen. Really? Who did he play? Ensign Lin? Doesn't mean anything to me. We'll have to wait until see what we get there. Sure. I will remember him in that moment. Mm. Is that the little boy with the cross eyes? No. No? Oh, okay. There was a cross-eyed child? I think he was cross-eyed. I was so blinded by their outfits, I couldn't really focus <laughs> on their faces at all. I kept being like, oh my god, like, would you look at that back? I want to go back in time and tell those little Federation children that fashion will improve in the future, but it just isn't so. Well, we have so much to look forward to. Yay. <laughs>